Um, so today, as I said, we're going to start a new series, Leslie and I, on kingdom stewardship. And I just want to be really real and really raw with you today. Um, where this series has kind of been birthed out of in my heart. And um, a few weeks back, I said, I'm going to be real, okay? How many of you like it when we're real, right? And uh, so Leslie and I, we were hit with a very unexpected expense that was multiple thousands of dollars. And um, it had to do with, with her teeth. And our insurance, of course, um, didn't cover what needed what needs to be done. And so they told us that it was going to be over $3,000 for this. And if you paid, of course, up front total, um, that they would knock 10% of the bill off. So the total came to about $3,400 that we were going to need to pay up front in cash um, for Leslie's teeth, um, something she's been battling with her whole life. And we really feel like it's just pretty much an attack of the enemy on her mouth. Um, it was funny, she made the joke later on that, man, we could take that money and invest it in the kingdom. And the Holy Spirit kind of slapped her in the face and said, well, what do you think we're investing it in? Right? Okay? So at any rate, that kind of set me up in my spirit um, for God to really do some work in my heart over the next few weeks because um, the money was due the very next day, and how many of you just have a spare $3,400 laying around that you just don't know what to do with? So give it to the dentist, right? No. And, um, you know, there were options. We could take out a loan. We could take out another credit card and incur a bunch of debt and interest on top of that. We had the money. We had that much in our account. Not much more, but we did have it. And so we prayed, and we really felt like, you know what? We have it. And to be good stewards of what God has blessed us with and given us, we're going to pay this because we feel like it's the right thing to do. And so over the next few weeks, God just really began stirring in my heart. And I've actually been asking random people this question. And this is challenging, and some of it is my perspective. I'm not saying this is absolute truth. But I've really been challenged, and, and I think God is just revealing things to me slowly over time. But I have a really hard time finding a scripture in this book that talks about the importance of saving money. Stick with me. No one walk out, please. Okay? I don't see it in here. Now, let me preface that. Saving for something, but just accruing money in your bank account to just save for a rainy day fund or just to save. There's a very fine line between stewardship and security. And this series is not all about money. But there's a very fine line between being good stewards of what God has given us and accruing money in our bank account so that we're good for a, you know, our rainy day fund. How many of you have a rainy day fund? Right. I do. We do. Um, but what I'm learning is if you're in step with God's spirit and you're listening to his voice, ask Moses, or not Moses, no, Noah. Ask Noah, when a rainy day comes, God will take care of you. Because Moses was listening to the voice of the Father, and he was equipped with what he needed to make it through his rainy day. 
Now, remember, this is what God's been working on me in, okay? I'm not saying this is truth. This is theology. This is just where Travis is at right now. But I think there's something to be said about stewarding, and not just finances, but stewarding every gift that we have been given to his kingdom and trusting God enough to say, I will give everything I have because as we're going to see, none of it's really ours anyways. We're stewards. Everything that we have is his. Everything that we have has been created by him. And we are stewards of what he's given us, not owners. And so we should have no problem when God says, give it all away. Everything. We did a series, The Blessed Life, last year. And in that series, Robert Morris, the, the pastor who wrote the book, there were multiple times God said, give everything in your bank account away and trust me. And he was obedient. We hold on so tightly because we, whether we want to admit it or not, whether I want to admit it or not, we love control. We love control. I love control. I love, as a man, men, we like being in control. And when we feel like we're not in control, we get very uncomfortable. And stress and anxiety begin to build. It's a lot easier to let go when we realize what we have isn't ours. And God says, give it all to me. You know, I surrender all except my bank account. That's a verse in there somewhere, trust me. All right. So here's three questions. I just want, we're going to go right at this. Um, I want to start with today. And just think, these are not questions I want you to answer out loud. Just think about them. Think about how you really, truly, in your heart, answer these questions. So here's the first one. Do we love God because of what he gives us, or do we love him regardless? If God never gave you another thing, would that change your faith? Do we trust God because of what we have or because of what he's promised? Are we owners of our gifts or are we stewards of his grace? So here's kind of, we're going to build upon this and we're going to go a few weeks into this series. We're going to talk about money and possessions. We're going to talk about relationships. We're going to talk about time and energy and maybe even some more on top of that. But here's kind of the theme verse for this whole series. 1 Peter 4.10, it's on the screens. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. I love how the Passion Translation puts it. It's on the screens as well. Read this with me. This is verse 10 and 11. Every believer has received grace gifts, so use them to serve one another as faithful stewards of the many-colored tapestry of God's grace. For example... If you have a speaking gift, speak as though God were speaking his words through you. If you have the gift of serving, do it passionately with the strength God gives you so that in everything God alone be glorified through Jesus Christ. For to him belong the power and the glory forever throughout all the ages. If you actually translate this in the Greek, this also, he's also saying here, the Greek is translated, the one who provides finances should do it with the strength 
of God who supplies all things. The strength of God who supplies all things. We are stewards of our gifts, not just physical, not just monetary, our spiritual gifts. We are stewards. Well, what is a steward? I'm glad you asked. And my wife is going to answer that question. I really, I use, I use this word a lot, steward. And then I actually, we're preparing this message, and I think to myself, well, Travis, what is a steward? And I really didn't have a firm understanding on what being a steward actually entailed. And we started unpacking this together, and it's, it's mind-blowing how this relates to our spiritual gifts and the gifts God has poured out on us. It's amazing. Sweet. So dictionary.com says a steward is a person who manages another's property or financial affairs, one who administers anything as the agent of another or others. That's cool, isn't it? Manages another's property, financial affairs, administers anything as the agent of another or others. I love the part where Travis just read in the Greek, should do it with the strength of God. The one who provides finances should do it with the strength of God who supplies all things. Who is our supplier? What are we stewarding? His things, his people, his finances, his homes, right? So cool. All the heavens and everything on earth belong to you. For you are the creator of all that is seen and unseen. Psalms 89.11. He is the creator of all things. We think that we've accomplished much as the human race and, you know, you look around and, and the scientific discoveries and all of the things, the, the advances we've made, even in the last 10 years with cell phones, right? You can see all the things, but all of that intelligence and all of the creation that we have is his, Right? If you look in Genesis, I love it. If you look back in Genesis, turn to Genesis 1 with me. We were created as stewards from the beginning. I like to go back to the beginning. Adam and Eve were created in the garden. Let's read verse 26 if you're there. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, so that they may what? Rule over the livestock, all the wild animals, over the creature, all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish and of the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with the seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground. He's repeating himself again, just in case you didn't get it the first time. All the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has breath of life in it. I give every green plant for food. And it was so. So what did God give us to steward? Everything. He must think we're pretty great. Right? 
When he created Adam and Eve, he was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let them do this. I'm going to give them all of this. Stewards in an upside-down kingdom. I use that phrase a lot because the kingdom of heaven is not like this world. Right? We have a king. We don't have a democracy in the kingdom, right? He's the king, and what the king says goes. Amen? Right. So we steward in an upside-down kingdom, this kingdom of heaven on earth. And I'm going to read you a Bill Johnson quote. In this kingdom, you will live by dying. You will rise by going low and receive by giving. It's backwards. It's, it's against the American dream. It's totally not what we're taught. It's totally not what we think we need. To, and you know what? I don't even know if we're taught. I think it's just a human ingrained, like when you're a kid, that's mine. Mine, 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 right? How many of you have toddlers and know and agree with me? Praise God. Okay, so just to recap, a steward is a person who manages another's property. And in Genesis, God said, all of this creation is yours. Rule over it. Subdue it. That's so cool. Travis? Turn to Genesis, or not Genesis, Matthew 22. And uh, many of you probably... No, this is the parable of the talents. Um, I like to call it the parable of kingdom stewardship. And we're going to read this entire parable. I'm reading out of the Passion Translation, so if you have your phone, um, you can go to that translation. If not, just follow along with me. So this is a parable, a story that Jesus uses to illustrate a kingdom principle. So he's talking and he says, verse 14, again, heaven's kingdom realm is like the wealthy man who went on a long journey and summoned all of his trusted servants and assigned his financial management over to them. Before he left on his journey, he entrusted a bag of 5,000 gold coins to one of his servants, to another bag 2,000 gold coins, and to the third, a bag of 1,000 gold coins, each according to his ability to manage the one entrusted with 5,000 gold coins immediately went out and traded with the money, and he doubled his investment. In the same way, the one who was entrusted with 2,000 gold coins traded the sum with, and likewise doubled his investment. But the one who had been entrusted with 1,000 gold coins dug a hole in the ground and buried his master's money. After much time had passed, the master returned to settle accounts with his servants, the one who was entrusted with 5,000 gold coins came and brought 10,000, saying, See, I have doubled your money. Commending his servant, the master replied, You have done well and proven yourself to be my loyal and trustworthy servant. Because you have been a faithful steward to manage a small sum, now I will put you in charge of much, much more. You will experience in delight the delight of your master's uh, and you... I'm sorry, you will experience the delight of your master who will say to you, come celebrate with me. Then the one who had been entrusted with 2,000 gold coins came and said, see, my master, I have doubled what you have entrusted to me. Commending his servant, the master replied, you have done well and proven yourself to be my loyal and trustworthy servant. Because you were faithful to manage a small sum, now I will put you in charge of much, much more. You will experience the delight of your master who will say to you, come, 
celebrate with me. Then the one who had been entrusted with 1,000 gold coins came to his master and said, Look, sir, I know that you are a hard man to please, and you're shrewd, and you're a ruthless businessman who grows rich on the backs of others. I was afraid of you, so I went and hid your money and buried it in the ground. But here it is. Take it. It's yours. Angered by what he had heard, the master said to him, You're an untrustworthy and lazy servant. If you knew I was a shrewd and ruthless businessman who always makes a profit, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? Then I would have received it back with interest when I returned. But because you were unfaithful, I will take the 1,000 gold coins and give them to the one who has 10,000. For the one who has will be given more until he overflows with abundance. And the one with hardly anything, even what little he has will be taken from him. Then the master said to the other servants, Now throw that good-for-nothing servant far away from me into the outer darkness where there will be great misery and anguish. Okay, Leslie's going to reference this later on, but let me explain something. When the servant said, I know that you are a hard man to please and that you're shrewd and a ruthless businessman, what he's using there is probably like a slang saying of the day. And what he's saying is, this is who I think you are. Because this servant did not know the true heart of his master. And because of that, it translated into how he managed what he had been given. And I'm not going to go any further because Leslie's going to go further in that a little bit later on. But by implication, what this parable is saying, what he's saying there, the master is, the one who has a heart of faithful stewardship will be given more to manage. The one who has a heart of faithful stewardship, who had, who were faithful stewards? The first and the second servant who took what they had been given and they invested it. They gave it away. They multiplied what they had been given for their master. They were faithful stewards. And what was the result? They were given more to manage. The one who has very little will lose what little he has. Well, very little what? Very little money, very little possessions. What he's saying there is the one who has very little faithfulness, wisdom, integrity, even they will lose what they have because they're not managing what God has given them. They're using it for their own selfishness, their own security, out of their own misconception and fear. We hold on to it. We don't operate with open hands. When we, are, we see this, this is, this is kingdom Reality, when we are faithful stewards of the gifts that we have been given, God promises to give us even more. Yay! Woohoo! You guys aren't very excited about that. Let me say it again because this is hashtag truth, okay? This is real, this is the Word of God. When we are faithful stewards of the gifts he has given to us, he promises 
to give us more. Amen? Okay, I got a couple smiles from you. We're getting there. That's good. Because that's something to celebrate and to be thankful for. And it's something that should shift our perspective. And we, our prayer is that by the end of this series, we're going to have a new revelation on stewardship and, stewardship and how we steward what we have. Generosity. Willingness to give. He said twice in this parable, because you were faithful to steward, to manage a small sum, now I will put you in charge of much, much more. I love how he uses the word much twice. Because you were faithful, you didn't hold on to it. You weren't afraid of how it would be received if you gave it away, but you were obedient and you wanted to please the master, now I will give you much, much more. It's an upside-down kingdom. We receive by giving. It's not about, oh, I'll give if you bless me. When I have more time, I will dig more into your word. I'll spend more time with you, God. But right now, I'm too busy. So I'll try to free up some things and create some more time and flexibility in my schedule and then I'll have time for you. God, if you just give me a little bit more money, then I'll start tithing. Then I'll start supporting missions. Man, if my wife would just act better, then I would be a better husband. Right? In the kingdom, you receive by giving, not give once you receive. You guys tracking with us? Is this good? It's challenging. It's super challenging to us as well. But this message kind of just wetting your appetite a little bit because we're going to go much further into this. But it's on my heart, and it's just something that we, we feel like it's imperative to who we are because if we're going to advance his kingdom, we got to learn to let go, and we got to learn to trust God that he really is who he says he is. Amen? You just read my mind, or that was Holy Spirit. <laughs> that is so good, because I, I, I just sitting here, it's not just finances. It's not just finances, and we will refer to finances, because finances are, um, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, and I can't remember exactly how we said it, but if your money isn't his, it rules you, Right? Like, it's it just, there's something about it that if it's not surrendered to him, that it can control your mood, it can control your attitude, it can control what you buy, it can control your life. Yeah? So finances is a huge part, but also stewarding our gifts, stewarding our families, stewarding everything that God has given us, our little piece of property that we have, whatever you own, whatever you, whatever God's been given to you inside of you, not just the outside possessions. It's, it's a heart thing, right? It's stewarding our hearts to stay in tune with him. I love the story of Abraham and Isaac, when God told Abraham, I'm going to test your faith here and your trust in me. I want you to take your son up onto Mount Moriah 
and I want you to sacrifice your son. And what you, what I haven't said yet, and if you haven't read the, heard the story or read the story in a long time, remember Isaac was the promised one and only son that they had. Sarah was 99 and Abraham was 100 when he said, you're going to have a baby. And, and God promised Abraham years before that that they were gonna, he was going to be the father of many nations. So he has the promise of being the father of many nations. He has the promise of a son, and he has his son walking beside him. And God says, I want you to give that promise back. I'm going to trust that you trust me, and I'm going to ask you to do this. And what does Abraham do? If you look at Genesis chapter 22, he says, take now your son, your only son. And in the Amplified, it's a prom of promise, your only son of promise, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of, of Moriah and offer him up. And if you read through, Abraham does it. He doesn't argue. He doesn't question he gathers their things. He prepares for the trip. He gets everything they need for a fire. He gets all the wood, all the fire bucket. He has everything ready to go. He gets two guys to make camp. Takes a three-day journey. Can you imagine three days waiting and walking and trusting and knowing what God has asked you to do? Three days. And nowhere in Scripture does it say that he freaked out. He might have. I mean, he was a man. But nowhere in scriptures does he say that he got mad at God, that he said, how dare you, he's mine, right? He just was obedient. He said, I'm going to trust you because I know your heart, because you're my father. He trusted the father's heart. I think that that is such a beautiful thing. I mean, so often we think about Isaac and poor Isaac, what was he thinking? But he was seeing his father trust the God of the universe, like David did in the valley with Goliath when all the other armies were like, he's like, dude, what are you doing? We have the God of angel armies on our side. So I, I believe that Abraham was walking with that confidence up that mountain because he knew that Isaac wasn't his. But just to be sure that the purity of Abraham's heart was fully in God and not in the promised son, he said, will you give him back? See, God, God gives us promises, but he doesn't want the promise to become more important than him. Never should the promise step in between us and the Father. Never should the gain step in between us and the Father. Amen? Let's read it. Uh, verse 15, Genesis 22, verse 15. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies, and through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. Do you know how far Abraham got with Isaac in the altar? He had him laying on the altar, tied up, and the knife in the air. God is a good, loving father. Abraham could trust that 
to this point. Come on. We can manipulate this story and say, see, God's angry and he's evil and he, he, no, there's no evil in him. There is no, that that's not who he is. But he wanted to make sure Abraham's heart, because guess what he was about to do with that? He was about to make not just one son, but 12 tribes of people through Abraham's descendants. Isaac was the promised son that 12 tribes came from. It's amazing. But he wanted to make sure, where's your heart, Abraham? Where's your heart? To the point of don't hold anything too tightly that would get in between you and the Father. Release it to him. He handed Isaac back to him and multiplied his descendants. Isn't that amazing? As numerous as the stars. God is so good. It is very important that we know the Father's heart. It is very important that we know the Father's heart. Abraham knew God's heart was good. Abraham knew God's heart was trustworthy. Abraham knew his father. Do we know him? If we're holding on to something too tightly, is it because we're afraid that he isn't who he really says he is? Is there doubt? Is there fear? Is there a struggle there? Because he wants to take that and just pull it out and free you from that. Let's look at Luke 19, verse 21. I'm gonna, it's the same kind of parable as Travis just read, so I'm not going to read the whole thing. But the prince brings money into his kingdom, future kingdom, and he gives it to ten servants, and that ten servants are to take that money and multiply it. So it's Luke 21, or sorry, 19, and we're going to read verse 21. I love hearing pages turn. I use my phone a lot, so it's fun to hear Bible pages turning too because I love my, do you like your paper Bible? I love my paper Bible. Anyway, side note. So the same kind of story happening here. The prince comes back, and in verse 21 is where we're going to pick up. You see, I live in fear of you. This is his servant that, okay, I got to recap this before I jump into this. This is his servant that he gave money to and he did nothing with. He took it and ran and hid with it. He didn't invest it. He didn't put it in the bank. He didn't do anything with it. He just kept it. The other servants before in the story invested 10,000 upon 10,000 upon 10,000 and the, the blessings flowed. So this is the servant that did nothing and ran in fear. You see, I live in fear of you, for everyone knows you are a strict master. Everyone knows. He's talking about his master to other people. Everyone knows you're a strict master and impossible to please. You push us for a high return on all that you own, and you always want to gain from someone else's efforts. The king said, you wicked servant, I will judge you using your own words. If what you said about me is true, that I'm a harsh man pushing you for a high return and wanting gain from others' efforts, why didn't you at least put the money in the bank to earn some interest on what I entrusted to you? 
If you go back and you read in the story, the other servants were not afraid of him. He was not a harsh man. He blessed them. He gave them more. I highlighted it in my, in my phone that he, when, when they brought back the return, he said, okay, now you're going to rule over the kingdom. Now you're going to get this. This is going to happen in your life. You're going to have this authority. So he assumed he knew the father's heart. He assumed he knew the prince's heart by what everyone else said, but not really knowing the prince. We cannot miss this. Obviously, this statement is not true. If you, if, if you go back into verse 22 and he says, if what you said about me is true, then... But obviously this statement is not true and can be seen in how the master shares his kingdom with the other faithful servants. If we don't know and trust the heart of the father, our misconception will cause us to hold on to our talents, our finances, our abilities, our time, our relationships, our spiritual gifts, instead of opening our hands and investing them for his kingdom. When God asks for something, we need to give it. Because if not, I'm sorry, because if not, it means whatever he asks for means more to you than he does. That's Alex Seely, pastor of Belonging Co. Church. I'm going to read it again. Okay. When God asks for something, we need to give it. Because if not, it means whatever he asks for means more to us than he does. Even if he asks you to give back the promise. Being stewards of his kingdom means that it doesn't belong to us. And I, I go back to a song that meant something to me in a really hard season. And, it, and the part of the song that said, I will climb this mountain with my hands wide open. I know that my own life is not mine. It's yours. So for your kingdom, for your glory, I will serve you. Because your heart for me is good. Because your heart, his heart for you is good. He, he, I just keep feeling that. Emphasize that. Emphasize that. Please let them know I am for your good. It is for your good that I am asking you to do what I am asking you to do. That I'm stretching you in this area. That I'm asking you to step into trust with me. That I want you to know that I'm going to take care of you. I think Trav said this earlier, but if everything was stripped away, all of your possessions, your family, your job, your position, your ministry, if all of it was stripped away, would you still be okay? Would you still be okay? Would you and him still be okay? Because we, we've been talking about intimacy. We've been talking about being a royal priesthood. We've been talking about being daughters and sons in the kingdom. Amen? It's, that's who we are. 
Nothing can get in between us and him. If everything was stripped away, what would your identity be in? Who do you belong to? Who has you? Who's, who, Job walked it out. We can read about it. If we want to read about someone going through exactly that, you can look at Job. I believe this is a challenge not just about money or finances or possessions. I believe this is a challenge about kingdom, that if everything were stripped away, would we, would we, would we be his? Would we be his? My identity is not a pastor or a wife or a mother. My identity is a daughter, and everything else flows out of that, right? Everything flows out of relationship with him and trust in him. So we say, Father God, do with me what you will. That's what Mary said. We talked about it on Wednesday night. My Anna taught on that. Her response when the Lord said, you're going to bear a son, and she said, let it be so. And I think that there's different areas in all of our lives where God is saying, where do you need to say, let it be so? Different areas in all of our lives where we need to say, okay, this is yours. I'll do it. And I promise you, every single time he comes through, just like Abraham and Isaac, every single time, oh my goodness, every single time, be quick to listen and respond in obedience. Be quick to listen and respond in obedience. Just like Mary, don't hesitate. Remember the promises God has given you. Rehearse them. We talked about that Wednesday night in the group too, of like the prophetic words God has spoken over your life. Rehearse them. Remember them. But let them be his to fulfill and you walking in obedience to walk them out. Right? Because he is a good father. And you are his stewards. Which means you have authority. Come on. You have authority over the situations that you're watching happen. God, what are you doing in this situation? How can I be an agent of change? Right? That's being a steward. In every situation, in every area of life, we say, God, what are you doing? And how can I participate? What can, how can I steward this? When he says give, give. When he says rest, rest. When he says move, move. Because he's good. Abundance, I'll close with this. Abundance isn't about having as much as you want. Abundance is about having as much of God as you want. For I've come that you may have abundant life. Right? You guys excited? It, this is good. It's, 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 I don't want to finish on a like, whoo, heavy, heavy. I want you to know this is good. There's joy here because there's freedom here because you don't have to control it or carry it. You don't have to make it happen. You just walk in obedience and keep in step with the spirit and everything else just falls into place. But don't hold on to anything too tightly. Don't control. Let go. Climb the mountain. How many of you think that climbing a mountain with your hands wide open would be easy? No. It is fully surrender and trust that he is going to have you, and he does.